Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe, host of the Wealth Standard Podcast. And today we have a bonus podcast, and it's with a client of ours. And, uh, and her name is Julia Wonar, and her profession and specialty is coaching those who do public speaking. It was a fascinating interview. We talked about all the different elements uh, of public speaking. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it because I would say the number, a big fear that people have is getting up and speaking in front of other people. And uh, this is you know really full of different tips and different things that you could do uh, to uh, to, to not have those butterflies, not have those fears when you're speaking uh, in public. And if you do so desire to be a professional public speaker, uh, you definitely want to listen to this interview. So without further delay, Julia Wonar. This is the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. All right, everyone. This is uh, an amazing interview because this is a topic that is going to improve on anyone who is listening. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my goal today. But I have the wonderful opportunity to have on Julia Wonar. Julia, welcome uh, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much, Patrick. Glad to be here. Okay, so Julia, you your business is uh, unleashyourpurpose.com. It has to do with uh, public speaking. You work with bu- business owners. Uh, but I, I really, you know, as we were talking just briefly, getting into this idea of, you know, one of the greatest fears people have, <laughs> but also, you know, and I look at the greatest, you know, typically the greatest fear also has the greatest opportunity. So we're going to talk, I, I can't wait for the conversation, talk through, you know, the fear of public speaking, the, the importance of communication, verbal and, and nonverbal. Uh, but before we kind of dive into all those topics, why don't you give listeners an idea of uh, your background uh, and, you know, more about your business? Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, Patrick, my, um, as you said, my company, Unleash Your Presence, is where I work with uh, primarily six and, and seven-figure established entrepreneurs to help them really craft their message and be able to uh, deliver that in a really effective way as a speaker. And as we were talking about, no matter what kind of industry you're in, speaking is a part of, of anything that any business owner is going to be faced with doing. Um, and my background in a, in a sense, has always involved speaking in a way. So that's really how I came about to this work is um, I'd actually been a performer and been in theater for pretty much my whole life. Um, and then when I, I went on and, and was doing my studies, um, I actually studied in communications and had formal training in that area. So I combined what I learned from the communication side as well as my background in theater and put that together to show people that you can have the the science of you know how to speak well and then combine that with with the more um, performance based side and show how you can really engage people and and get your message across in a more effective and entertaining way okay so I have to ask you it, yeah. so was this something <laughs> were you because I'll, I'll give some context like my my 13 year old she like since an early, early age, like whenever there was a question asked, if whenever there was a volunteer, her hand went up. She was like, she had no fear of speaking to people in public, no fear of volunteering, even when she had no idea what the answer was or what she was volunteering for. So had you, were, were you, was that kind of your personality growing up or did you kind of come to this, you know, fork in the road where here's this opportunity to, you know, uh, get into this type of, uh, you know, specialty uh, or, uh, and, and getting over hurdles uh, subsequently, or was it, yeah, like I said, was it, uh, was it kind of in, innate within you to, you know, to, to be this way? 
Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, if you're talking about from from a very, very young age, actually, I, I was pretty shy as a little kid. Um, mm. But I, I got into theater really when I was about eight years old, actually. Okay. And that, that was um, sort of a turning point for me where I realized I just, it was just a passion that I had. And it was something that I always cool. enjoyed. Um, and then the more that I started to do it, I realized um, that it, it was it was kind of fun to get into, you know, being being a character and really getting to express yourself um, yeah. in front of people. And the more that I think I was starting to develop my skills in those areas, um, I think that translated later on into, into business and into my studies in a lot of ways where I felt like, um, you know, if, if nothing else, at least I felt that I developed the skill of being able to get up in front of a group of people and not, um, and be able to express myself and, and get my message across without, uh, sort of freaking out and and <laughs> letting that get in the way of of whatever I had to say. Well, let's address let's address that because I, I know a lot of our a lot of our listeners are business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, however, we do have those, but I even, I would even say with even them have you know you know anxieties associated with uh, with with speaking in public or pre- or presenting. But let's maybe address those that really have you know, a fear of saying anything in public or saying anything in front of a, a group. Like what, what have you seen is, is the, the reason behind that? And then maybe what, uh, as we transition, what, what are the things that get a, gets a person over that anxiety? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from, um, it's sort of this feeling like when, especially if you're speaking on stage or you're speaking in front of a group of people, um, it's really an energy that I think is a lot of where the nerves come from for people. Because even if you're in a group, a small group of say 15 or 20 people, if you're the, the focal point and everybody's looking at you and listening to you, you know, you're one person and then there's 15 sets of eyes or 20 sets of eyes on you at once. Um, so subconsciously, you're kind of feeling like, oh, well, I'm on the spot here. And, and that makes people nervous because of course they feel like I have to say the right thing and I have to look a certain way. Um, and, and one thing that I try to impart on all my clients, really in the mindset when we first start working together, is that when they're really focused on their audience and their message and what it is that they're there to share, um, a lot of those nerves actually naturally will just die down because when you're really turning your attention away from yourself and to what you're there for and what, what you're trying to get across, then that's where the energy kind of shifts. And, and I think you'll also notice that a lot of people really are, are pretty forgiving. If you're there and, you know, you have quality content and things to say, then they're, they're really not going to be looking at, you know, the little stain on the bottom of your shoe or, you know, some, something silly that people, people get hung up on. Well, I think if that, I would say that element is what's, I mean, at least for me, is, is attractive to people. I think those elements like make you real instead of, you know, on, on a stage speaking. So I'll, I'll give you an, an example. I was in Chicago uh, this uh, was earlier, maybe a year ago and, uh, or earlier this year. I can't remember. 2017 is like a blur. Uh, but it, it basically this guy, very, you know, very intelligent professor, University of Chicago, and he had this really cool, you know, concept for startups. But anyway, he was, he was up there and he was just this quirky, quirky guy. And, <laughs> you know, he'd have this like dry humor, but it was, he was fascinating because, and I, and I would say the, the draw was, you know, the, the authenticity around it. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, and I'm guilty of this is, I mean, I've presented 
you know, within another kind of archetype or personality where like I, I had to be perceived a certain way from what I thought uh, in order to be credible. Right. Um, and it all, it never works. And that's what creates more, you know, at least for me, more anxiety. But when, you know, what I've really discovered and what I see in, in speakers is the ones that I'm drawn to are the ones that are, are really in it, as you said, to, uh, to teach and to be of value, not with any expectation of remuneration, uh, but also those that are, are authentic. So where, what, what's your opinion or perspective on that? Absolutely. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And um, I'm just thinking of a, a little story that I had from a, a speaking engagement that I did um, not too long ago, where I was actually addressing a group of middle and high school students, which is not my typical audience. Um, but, you know, I, I was asked to come in and um, sort of give more, more of an inspirational message to these students. And um, they, they had a whole theme about um, sort of turning failures that you've had into into fuel, as they put it, to um, show that, you know, everybody fails, but it's okay. You can use that to move forward. Um, so when I was addressing these students, I was actually pretty nervous going into it because I mm. thought, like, I'm standing in front of these, you know, 11 and 12-year-old kids, and how am I going to get them to relate to me and to, you know, keep their attention and, and really impart some sort of hopefully some wisdom to them. Um, and, and what I was able to share with them was I shared a story of, of a failure that I had. And um, I actually was sort of retelling and, and reliving that experience as I was telling the story. So I actually got a little emotional and I didn't cry up there on stage, but I did have tears in my eyes. And I think there was a moment there where, you know, the students could see that that was real emotion. And I was really feeling that in that moment. And every single one of them, it was like, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. They were just so um, into seeing that, you know, I'm, I'm a human being like everybody else. And mm -hmm. even though I was there to, um, you know, to be on stage to sort of show where, where I've been, I think it was by getting real with them that they were actually able to to relate to me and to take something out of that message. Yeah. I think, I think that there's this, there, the idea of empathy is one of the most powerful forces. And, but at the same time, it is impossible to fake. And so the idea of empathy, right. Is really that, that genuine feeling that people know that you're there to give. They know that you're there because you care. Uh, and, you know, it's not what you say, it's not the topic, it's, it's just the intention behind it. Uh, and I would say, you know, you, that, I don't know, because I've, I've felt that way with some speakers addressing, addressing me, when you know, you know it's real, you know it's authentic, you know it's true, and it's not, you know, hy hyperbole. And so I look at, you know, really the ability to connect uh, with, uh, with people, I would say is, is I'm not sure if it's a skill, I think it is a skill, but it's one of those skills where it's, it's kind of like you have to really own who you, who you are and the value that you bring to others. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's definitely a skill that can be, can be harnessed and can be built, but that, that being authentic piece, I mean, even with myself in that moment, um, I did not develop the skill of being able to cry on command or fake cry. So that was real emotion that I felt in that moment. And I think that's what the audience could feel because they knew that was coming from a real place. Well, let's say, let's segue, let's segue a little bit because I, I want really, I want to have 
this this idea brought out of the the importance of uh, number one communication, but also the the idea around just the huge opportunity that exists when it comes to addressing groups and doing it in the in the right way, uh, because I would say. You know, there's there's far more authoritative, dictatorial, hierarchical management and leader. Well, who are you know appointed leaders that are out there, right? That they are not able to get a team to follow them in the battle because of I would say just you know the the lack of understanding when it comes to this type of communication and and, and I would say leadership, right? Even even if it's the entrepreneur, the business owner, they're addressing a crowd. It's it's kind of like they're they're embodying this this leadership you know archetype or or idea, uh, and but some pe- like I like I mentioned before, some people try to fake it. And it just doesn't it just doesn't work. Uh, so or they they approach it from this like you know inferior superior uh, roles, which also in my opinion doesn't doesn't work. So maybe as you address you know the what what you coach on uh, and how you get entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, to be real, maybe I'll kind of, I'll, I'll slide in there and, and maybe make some correlation to, you know, the, the average employee or the, the individual that works at a company, right? Uh, but why don't, yeah, if you, if you wouldn't mind maybe addressing some of those, some of the things that you, you know, teach entrepreneurs, I think that would be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say that, um, and, and it kind of goes back to the, the whole name of my company, Unleash Your Presence, which is um, the, the whole premise there for me is I felt that everybody who's a speaker wants to have presence. And um, even from my acting background, you know, people talk about having stage presence. And when you're on stage and you're really engaged in what that, that performer is doing and the audience can feel that, that's something that every speaker wants to have. And I think a lot of people really have that capacity within them, but maybe they just feel like, you know, it's, it's not, they don't have the, the right kind of personality or they, they may feel like I'm more of an introverted person or I'm not quite that, that out there, you know, sort of personality that, that can just engage people and be really charismatic. And um, what I try to teach people is that I think everybody has their own style and that, that's a good thing. Um, and it's just really about, I mean, even when you're, when you are speaking on stage or you're performing, um, you're, you're still yourself, but you're just really amplifying the, Mm -hmm. uh, what I call the, the best versions of yourself. So, um, you know, if I'm going to speak somewhere, I'm still me, but I'm amplifying certain aspects that I want to get across in that message. And, um, it's, it's the same for any other speaker, but I, I certainly work with, um, you know, all types of business owners who are very different from myself sometimes and have their own personalities. And so if you put us side by side, we would come across totally differently. But I think that that's okay because um, you could have two different people with saying the same things, but they bring their own perspective and their own style to it. And I think that's what's so valuable is that everybody, I believe, has that capacity. It's just a matter of knowing how to really tap into it and bring out that best version. So how do you, so, so I guess the question I would have is what is like, what, what's the difference between, uh, you know, amplifying who, who you are or trying to be someone you're not and amplifying that? Mm, yeah. Well, I, I think it comes down to, 
a lot of that comes down to the message. And, and one thing that I do with a lot of my clients when we initially start working together, one thing I, I see <laughs> across the board um, is that a lot of them have what I call the too many ideas problem. And especially if they've been in business for a long time, they, they have a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise, which is great, but they want to cram 20 different ideas into one talk or into one one segment um and that just sort of leaves people wondering where the message is or, or what their takeaways are um so the first thing that i really try to figure out with them is what is the message that what is their message that's really authentic to them and that represents what themselves and their whole brand is about um because if they can really clarify that and have everything revolving around that, then they're able to craft a message and a talk that will leave people with a very clear idea of what they're about and what their message is. And so the first thing that that I go through with them is this discovery process of what it really is that, that they want to focus in on. And even if they have knowledge in a lot of different areas, some of it may not really be relevant to what that audience needs. So it's it's about, you know, what is the particular message that they stand for and how can they best express that? And I think, and this is how I, this is how I look at, you know, what I've, how I've, you know, um, come up with ideas to present on or, or prepare different presentations. And it, it, it comes down to the cramming of information for me, at least, has been, I needed to prove that I'm credible, that I knew, that I'm, I'm an authority, that I'm, um, that I knew what I was talking about. And I, and I associated that with information that I knew, dates and facts. And I, and I would say, you know, there's a lot of demagoguery out there, whether it's in the political, political uh, arena or, you know, even, even in business where people are, are doing that. So how, how do you uh, create the, you know, or have them own their authoritative figure, not authoritative, like, you know, pound with the iron fist authoritative, but the like, I'm an authority. I know what I'm talking about. I'm an, I'm an expert, but then keep the message and focus simple so that the audience can, you know, be impacted or, or learn. Absolutely. And I, I think that really storytelling is a big piece of that. Okay. And I know um, I'm thinking about one particular client of mine, Mark, who I, I worked with a lot around storytelling. And um, Mark is, is pretty typical of, of a lot of my clients where, you know, he's been in business for a while, has, you know, has a lot of knowledge in, in his area of expertise. Um, but the issue that he had was he wasn't really, he didn't really feel comfortable with bringing some of his own personal stories um, into what he was talking about. And even if it was related to business, like something that he went through in his business, mm-hmm. um, if it was something that maybe a failure or something that he'd, he'd moved past, um, he felt like, well, I, I don't really know if I want to share this because I don't know if it's if it's relevant or maybe he felt some, you know, self-consciousness about that. But through working with him on his own stories, um, the, the first point that I made was, you know, there's uh, he, he's someone who coaches about uh, leadership and business. And I mean, there's a, a million speakers out there who talk about leadership and business. And, you know, I said, there's a reason why people want to hear from you because they have all these other people that they could listen to, but they're resonating with you because of who you are and what you bring to the table. And so, in fact, by sharing your own stories, um, first, you're just helping people relate to you uh, on a more personal level, 
which is going to attract the right people that you want and also turn away the people who maybe aren't right for you. Mm-hmm. And, and then from there, um, you know, it, actually sharing some of those stories is also a great learning tool because I think when it comes down to it, storytelling is how that's really what people grasp onto. And just about, I mean, any piece of information, like data is great and stats are great to, to make a point. But I think what people really remember are the stories. And so if you have, you know, case studies or examples of times where, um, you know, you've, you've overcome certain challenges and you can share that, then that's what people are going to remember. Um, and so I think it's a really powerful way of, of getting your point across as well. No, and yeah, there's, I, I, uh, I think it was last year, I read the book, uh, Winning the Story Wars, and, and it talks about that. And, that, that's, uh, and I would say that that's an amazing answer really to, you know, figure out a way to keep things simple and impactful, but also retain, you know, you as a, the authority figure as far as, you know, keep, keeping people engaged. Uh, but that's how, you know, that's how history is, has been passed on for a really long time is through, you know, is through the ideas of, uh, of stories. And you're right. I think most people have this kind of innate draw tractor beam associated with good sto- with good stories. And that's, you know, be, movies, you can, you can look at, you know, the most popular books. I mean, all of it has, you know, most of the most significant things in history have a story uh, attached to it, right? I think we're all compelled. We're all compelled by that. Uh, Okay. So that's, so that's a great way of figuring out what your, what your stories, what your stories are. Uh, But, but maybe I I really want to hit on this this idea of uh, understanding communication this, on stage is one thing. Um, and maybe it's very similar for just, you know, communication uh, in general, but maybe let, let's, let's talk about just kind of communication in the professional atmosphere uh, in, in general. So what, what do you see are, you know, the, the biggest opportunities for, for people when it comes to learning how to uh, communicate, whether it's verbal or, or nonverbal? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, my expertise really, and obviously the area that I work with people in most closely is in public speaking. And that's typically on stage, but also applies to, you know, conversations like we're having right now, where if they're on on a podcast or, you know, appearing in the media in some form or fashion, then that that's speaking as well, or even, you know, recording videos, any, any sort of forum where you're, you're sharing your message. Um, and so that is, I think you can apply that so broadly to, to a lot of different areas. And um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, working with people across different industries, I think being able to really clarify your message and get that across very succinctly, whether that's on stage, you know, in an interview on TV and in different forms, and obviously you have different different time limits and different sort of uh, formats for, for those different things. But you can, if you're really clear on what your message is, um, you can take that and you can expand upon it, you know, to a book uh, over hundreds of pages, or you can put it into a half hour keynote talk or a five minutes on TV or, you know, all these different formats. But it, when you're really clear on having a, your message really dialed in, then you can take that in, in so many different ways. So if you look at, so if you, I would say with, with, uh, with speaking, how, how do you, how do you coach clients on the, the, maybe the nonverbal side of it? 
And, and that's what I've, that's what I've found is when, you know, when you walk into a room, like you tell a story, like whether, <laughs> whether you want to speak or not in front of a big group, you're already speaking, right? Not non-verbally. Uh, so what, you know, how, how do you perceive like you, you're, you know, your expertise gives you this, you know, different lens to the world. Uh, what, so as you walk into a room, you could probably just see all sorts of stories, all sorts of things going on because of that, uh, you know, not non, uh, nonverbal filter. Like what, what do you, like how, what's your coaching look like when it comes to, you know, teaching people about the, you know, body language, nonverbal communication? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that the first thing that I really focus on is, is the mindset because, you know, without that, I think all the tactics and strategies are great, but if ultimately if, if your mindset isn't in the right spot, then, you know, everything can kind of not work the way you, you want it to. So, um, so as we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier, um, the first thing that I, I work with clients in, in that capacity is on showing them um, first, just tackling the, the fears and the nerves that a lot of people come in with and, um, and just getting them in the mindset of really focusing on, on their message and the audience rather than themselves is, is a good way to start to really have them, um, you know, uh, keep those nerves in check. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, I find that I actually take a bit of a different approach than some people in terms of the, the physical part of, you know, how do you handle those nerves and how do you get yourself uh, mentally prepared to whether that's to walk into a, a networking event or to go um, speak to a group of people. I think a lot of folks feel like if I'm, if I'm really nervous, I just, I need to calm down. And if I could just be calm, everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. But really, um, when we were talking about the energy earlier, especially with, with addressing a group of people, um, naturally, you know, you're, if you're feeling that energy coming towards you, your body is having adrenaline, you know, p- pumping through it. And, and that's something that is a natural, you know, biological reaction that all of us are going to have. Mm-hmm. And so I almost take the approach and it's something that I picked up a little bit from my theater background, where rather than actually trying to calm down and, and you know, tell myself that I, I need to stop feeling that adrenaline. Um, I take it and, and I actually harness that where I say, if you can transform it into something that works. So if I'm say feeling nervous, taking that energy and transforming it to excitement is what I like to do. And I do that through a few specific kind of physical warmups and, and body exercises that I do with clients that just gets them more into their body. So they're actually able to use that energy for, for good and not evil, if, if you will. <laughs> what are some of the, like, what are maybe an example of one of those exercises? Yeah. And it's, um, it's something actually on, on my website, I have a video that, that demonstrates one of those. So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that later, but um, cause it's a little bit easier to, to see for, for folks to see it, but there's one particular exercise that I teach um, that I learned myself from, from acting training, which is called crazy eights. And to describe it verbally, it's you're kind of standing there and essentially shaking out each of your arms and your legs while counting down from eight to one. Mm. And what that does is it almost kind of breaks your thought pattern of whatever uh, whatever else you're doing. All you're trying to think about is you know the next number and and what you're doing in that moment. So um, it, it's funny because a lot of 
people kind of feel silly when they're first doing it. I still sometimes feel silly doing it, mm-hmm. but what it does is um, it just kind of allows you to let go of all the other stuff that y- you're hung up in in that moment. And then, um, you know, by the time you, you get down to one, you are just feeling like the energy is flowing a lot, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, do you ever, like, especially with newer, with newer clients, do you ever, do you ever see a, like a conflict in their intention, like their intentions are genuine. They want to help people. They want to serve people. They want to be on stage and passionately communicate their message, but yet their body language, their nonverbals are like completely the opposite. Have you had, have you had students or or examples like that? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I, I don't see it so much with, with the clients that I've worked with, but I have seen it with, with folks at times where I think, um, that often happens and and probably more so with, you know, with employees, probably more so than, than entrepreneurs, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are naturally going to be speaking about topics that are related to their business and things that they're personally passionate about versus, you know, an employee might just have to speak on something that their boss asked them to speak about and they may not really care um, personally about it. So that may come across in, in their body language and in, you know, just feeling like they, they don't maybe relate so much to, to what they're being asked to talk about. Yeah. Well, I want to explore this because our, 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 uh, our topic for this season is, you know, the, the individual is the greatest asset of all. I mean, the, the mind of an individual is what's created everything that we experience physically. And that shows that you know, there are people that are using their minds in a very productive way. But I would also say, you know, that's the biggest opportunity people have, which is to take uh, where they're at and then understand, you know, them as their greatest asset and be able to figure out ways in which they can uh, create value for, for others. And so the, the exploration I want to make is, is, uh, is into this idea of uh, intra, intrapreneurship. And the entrepreneurship is, you know, not necessarily being an entrepreneur outside of an organization doing things on your own, but, you know, sometimes inside of an organization and how to uh, Im- improve it. But I would say the, the, the lion's share of the anxiety is just associ- it's associated with, uh, you know, uh, approaching that fear, st- like standing out, looking stupid and maybe compromising, you know, compromising the, the value they've already, you know, have been perceived for. Uh, so if, if you look at, you know, really the idea of facing, facing that fear and maybe giving a presentation or, or speaking up, uh, I know this isn't necessarily your area of, area of expertise, but communication is. So what are, you know, as you, as you look at, you know, opportunities that exist where, you know, an individual inside of an organization, okay, uh, has an idea, sees a challenge, sees a problem. Uh, what is the, you know, what, maybe what are the, the common ways in which they, they uh, speak up uh, and maybe some of the ways that, you know, that, that actually are uncommon and may in fact uh, work? Like how would you, if you were to, you know, be in a corner and you're in a waiting room and, you know, you have no choice but to talk to this individual and that's their dilemma, like what would you encourage them to, what would you encourage them to, to think about or do? Mm, I know it's putting okay. you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just trying to make sure I understand the question correctly. So if I were in a room, uh, in an office with, with someone that I didn't know, but had to, uh, make conversation with, how would I go about that? Is, is that? Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, you, you tell them what you do, they tell you what they do and they're like, Oh, so 
I'm in, you know, in, let's say it's a waiting room and they ask you advice about, you know, I see all these, you know, challenges at work and I want to speak up. I want to say something. I want to communicate, but I'm not doing it the right way. Like, what would you, how would you start to coach them? Mm, yeah. Um, well, I, w- I would say, and, and it's funny because it's something that I think that I apply personally in, in being a coach, because I think uh, part of, part of what that entails is sometimes having to, you know, give some constructive criticism or, or tell people things that they may not always want to hear, but really is in, in their best interest um, to improve. And I, I always like to come back to, to the approach. And I think, um, you know, especially for folks who, who may be a little bit more sensitive, it can be really hard to hear something that, uh, that, that is a criticism or something that, that they, they feel like they may not be great at. But I think if you're able to come at it from the standpoint of first acknowledging um, what, you know, what they, they do well, and then when, when you're getting to that, that point of criticism, really addressing it in a way where it's, it's not that they're, you know, at fault or that it's a weakness, but I look at it more as an area of improvement. So mm-hmm. um, focusing on their, on their strengths and then showing in the areas where they could improve, um, really taking that positive mindset towards it um, and showing that, you know, with some focused attention and by maybe implementing some specific strategies and yeah. that, that they can improve on it. And so you have a much more positive outlook to it versus, you know, well, this is a weakness and this isn't something that, you know, that I'm good at because that, that can just be really defeating. And I think in, in any way, you know, hopefully, anybody who's in a position where, where they're managing um, employees or they're, they have people that, um, that are reporting to them, um, I, I suggest to try to, you know, use that piece of compassion because ultimately everybody has, has areas, we all have areas that we can improve on. And um, it's, it's not always easy for the person on the other end to hear that. But if you're mm-hmm. showing it, um, it with that positive outlook and, and just in a way that that there's, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and they don't just have to feel bad about whatever is a weakness for them per se, then there's, there's, um, there's hope in that. That's an amazing, so that's an amazing answer. And I, and I, (laughs) I look at like that because it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where I think, you know, society kind of teaches us to be critical, right? And to, you know, we have this kind of comparison syndrome where it's like that person versus that person. And I think as we give, you know, give feedback, I'm guilty, I'm guilty of this. We give feedback and it comes across as criticism, right? But nobody wants to be criticized. And if you want to, you know, capitalize on an opportunity and you're trying to, you know, help solve a problem, like salting the wounds, right, of the person that may be in charge of the problem or associated with it, it's like, that's not going to help. That's going to make it worse, right? And I would say, you know, really the, the idea comes down to, to what you said, which is, you know, everybody's fallible. There are always going to be challenges, okay? But if you look at it as, you know, a win-win where, you know, you identify it as an opportunity, identify it as, uh, you know, something that we could improve together. It's like, it's the idea of we, not I think you should do this or I think you should do that. It's more of that, like, if you can, you know, all rise together, all ships, you know, rising to, together. That, I think that is, uh, that's one of those things. And, I, and, you know, as you coach your clients, it's a, it's a mental thing, right? Where you have to kind of believe that, where it's like you want to be critis- uh, critical, but at the same time, it's like the criticism, you know, the, the criticism never, never works. Uh, and, 
you know, if you really want to have proof of that, just go onto Facebook and look at how critical people are. And there's a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and no one ever wins. But I think the idea in the end is that, you know, the, the person that is observing and then the person that is actually part of maybe where the challenge lies, okay, they, they have to win uh, together. And I think that's the mentality that could really help with those that are inside of a company uh, that could, you know, help, uh, help improve it. And I would say at the end of the day, you know, some people think that, you know, in order to be an entrepreneur, in order to be creative, in order to be, to express themselves, they have to be self-employed or they have to be an entrepreneur, but that's not always the smart thing to, to do. In fact, a lot of people fail uh, because of that mentality. I would say there's, you know, huge opportunities sometimes just in where you are working right now, uh, just with the fact that, you know, there are always going to be challenges because we're all human beings, but figuring out ways to communicate properly uh, I would say is that that uh, that variable that makes the biggest the biggest difference. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself, Patrick. Mm. <laughs> so here, so this is uh, so let's maybe spend a few more a few more minutes just on um, I don't know just maybe the the technical uh, things that you do as far as uh, coaching is con, uh, concerned, and, and maybe share some resources, your website, and we'll post all of that on the, the show notes uh, as well. But yeah, why don't you maybe, you know, share kind of what your services entail so that our audience uh, knows and, and, you know, audience does consist of some entrepreneurs, business owners, those that do public, public speaking. And so I think, you know, those technical uh, details will be important to them. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, what I, what I do, um, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, is really coaching. Uh, primarily I, I work with small business owners who are speaking and really just getting into that and starting to get their message out there as a, as a thought leader and, um, to really build their, their expertise in, I'm sorry, not their expertise, but their authority in their mm-hmm. expertise in their industry, because they have the expertise and it's just demonstrating that to, to their audience. So what I do is, um, I work with, uh, with individuals, typically business owners, um, in, in group formats. And I also have, have courses that people can go through with, with video trainings um, that coaches them on first clarifying what I call their, their big idea, which we were discussing a little bit earlier, which is taking you know, all of the myriad of ideas that they have and really honing in on what their message and brand is all about and what their particular messages that they're trying to get across. And then once they've established that, coaching them through actually writing what I call their signature talk, which is um, for speakers um, is, you know, encapsulates that big idea and is something that they can take to, to different audiences in different forms. And then from there, uh, the final piece is coaching them through, uh, through the delivery piece. And I feel this is also an area that a lot of folks struggle with because unless they have, you know, come from a theater background like myself, um, typically you aren't really taught how to engage an audience or how to, um, you know, be be somewhat entertaining in, in describing how to get your message across. And especially now with social media, it's, people have very short attention spans. And so um, if you if you're lecturing at people, which some of my my clients have been apt to do before we work together, then the message will will get lost somewhere in there. And so what I help them to do is to tap into that that presence that's unique to them and show them how they can use um, their their own personality and and the parts of them to really just be more engaging as a speaker and to bring out that best side of them. 
Okay, that's awesome. Well, and I know that you have some material online, some courses, uh, and also, yeah, why don't you share some of your uh, the ways to get to get a hold of you, follow you, whether it's social media. That that'd be uh, that'd be awesome. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so my website is unleashyourpresence.com. And that's the kind of hub for, for everything to find out more about my programs, um, get a hold of me through there. Um, social media wise, I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So folks can also just connect with me, uh, Julia Wonar um, on LinkedIn. And um, I do also have a resource that is uh, totally free that I think would be really valuable for a lot of your listeners who maybe are just getting into speaking or maybe have done some speaking but want to do a little bit more. And I hear from from folks all the time that they just don't really know how to get started and Mm -hmm. to get more bookings um, for their engagements. And so I actually have a guide that I put together called the Get Speaking Blueprint, which really breaks that down into a very simple um, five-step process that either they or you know, staff that they work with can implement to help them um, to to get more opportunities and to get their message out there a little bit quicker. So um, there is a link there in the show notes, which is at getspeakingblueprint.mykajabi.com. And if they go on there and just enter in your name and email, you'll have that sent right over to your email. That's awesome. Well, we'll post all of those links uh, in the in the show notes, so go to thewellstandard.com and we'll post it through social media as well. Uh, but Julia, it's been awesome to have you on. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you so much for sharing uh, your expertise. I mean, I think this is a topic that I would say if individuals really can connect those dots between the, the idea of fear and opportunity, right? There'd be a lot more wealthy people out there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> thank uh, you, Jack. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. 